All right, here we go. Open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We are in the shortest gospel in the Bible. It is the gospel of Mark. We're in Mark 4. We're going to be in this one chapter for a few weeks here. Our series title is Who's Your One? And again, we are asking everyone to make a commitment. Everyone who has called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're asking every single one of us to make a commitment that there would be one person for whom you would pray each day and with whom you would share the gospel. And so you remember, we're doing this with a visual representation. We're using a white ping pong ball. And so we're asking you to make a commitment to the Lord and taking a white ping pong ball, door number one, door number 11. And listen, we have a goal that a thousand people in our church would make a commitment to pray for one person and to share the gospel with that one person. All right, so we're asking you to take a white ping pong ball, write the initial of that person, first initial, last initial, whatever. That's not the important part. The important part is the commitment that you're making to the Lord to pray for that person and to share the gospel with them. That's the white ping pong ball. Once you have that gospel conversation, whether it's, that, whether, whether it's with that person or anyone else, we put a blue ping pong ball in there and we want to see the Lord doing a great work in our church family. And so that's the series we're in. Who's your one? And if you remember at the very first sermon in this series, I talked about that for me, Mark chapter four, Mark four may be the most evangelistic chapter in the Bible. And so for two weeks, we looked at the parable of the sower. And I want to remind you of some key truths that we learned in the parable of the sower. Number one, that God in his divine wisdom chooses to use us to sow the seed of the gospel. Friends, listen, in the Old Testament, God rained manna and quail down from heaven to feed his people. I can assure you, if God wanted to, it is quite possible for God to rain down the word on people for them to hear. But he has chosen to use us in this. The parable says, behold, a sower went out to sow. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a sower. Here's the second truth we learned in that. The seed is the word of God. You're not sharing with people your opinion. You're not talking politics with them. You are sharing the word of God. And we are using everyday things to help us to draw us into that conversation. The seed is the word of God. The third thing that we learned from that is that it is through a response by faith that a person is saved and bears fruit. You remember the last, very last part of the parable says, if anyone hears the word and accepts it, and bears fruit. That's the indication that salvation has taken place. Hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. So that's what we learned in that gospel. So what this morning is, did you know that Mark chapter 4 has four parables? Mark 4 has four parables. The first one is the parable of the sower. Jesus then immediately follows up in Mark 4.21 with a one-sentence parable about a lamp. And so this morning's sermon is titled, Show and Tell. And I loved show and tell when I was a kid. And, and now that we have grandkids, our son Drew was telling us that whenever his son, Owen, goes to show and tell, 
He never uses a new or, you know, shiny electronic toy that he gets. Anytime he gets to do something show and tell, he always goes to the old and the familiar. Maybe something that he sleeps with at night. An old toy that he's had for a long time. But that's what he goes with. Well, isn't it interesting that in this parable of the lamp, Jesus is going to use something old and familiar to help us to learn what it means to show and tell. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. We're only going to read five verses this morning. So if you have a copy of God's Word, if you need one, please grab the Word. There should be one there in the back of the pew in front of you. Please, and keep it open during the sermon. Mark chapter 4. Let's go to verse 21. The Scripture says, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket? Or under a bed and not on a stand? For, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Boy, tough passage. And so let's, listen, I can't do this without the Holy Spirit of God. We can't hear the truth and understand the truth without the Holy Spirit of God. And so as I lead us in an opening word of prayer, would you be praying? Would you pray, Lord, help me to understand. Lord, give me spiritual ears. Our Heavenly Father. Lord, I'm praying that for myself right now. Lord, give me spiritual ears. I need to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that we would hear the word of God and accept it. And that, Lord, we would be good soil. Lord, I pray for each one of us to have spiritual ears, to yearn to know the truths of God, to pursue you with all of our heart. And Lord, thank you that you pursued us first. Lord, thank you that you loved us first and gave your son Jesus Christ for us. I pray for someone today to be saved. Lord, I pray for hearts to be recommitted to you. I pray that you would add to us and call out from us. And may you receive the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. All right, Jesus uses something old and familiar to help them understand this truth. And so go with me again to verse 21. Jesus said to them, is a lamp brought in and then covered up with a basket? And as Jesus is saying this, you can almost hear the people as they're listening, they're saying, well, no, that'd be kind of silly. And so here's the very simple truth. Remember, this is, he's using simple everyday objects that they can understand. Here's the truth he's trying to teach them. If you hide it, you misuse it. Everyone hang on to that. Because that's the word of God. If you hide it, you misuse it. Jesus said, would anyone bring in a lamp and then put it under a basket or slide it under your bed? I was sitting there in our house. One of the places that I study in the evening is, is at our, it's our dining table. And so sitting there while I'm reading this, I'm looking around the room, five lamps, 
Five lamps in that one room. We have stock in a lamp company, I guess. I don't know. But we have five lamps in one room. Not a one of them is under the couch or under a chair. And you say, well, no, that, that would be silly. Well, please start yearning now for what is the truth that Jesus is teaching us under that. Because we think it would be silly in our bedroom. There's two lamps in our bedroom. Neither one of them is under the bed. Why would you put a lamp under a bed? Now, there was a guy who went to his therapist. And he said to his therapist, I have this irrational fear that there is a monster under my bed. And the therapist said to him, look, a few months of therapy, 150 a session, We can get rid of that monster under the bed. And the guy walks out. Boy, that seems a little steep. He goes to his pastor, and he talks with his pastor. A week later, this guy's out on the street. His therapist sees him and said, hey, you you never came back, but you do seem happier. Did you get rid of that monster under the bed? And he said, yeah. And he said, look, it was one visit to my pastor. It It was one session free. It was even free. He said, what did he say to you? And he said, cut off the legs on your bed. No more monster under the bed. A lot of you aren't laughing at that joke. It seemed a lot funnier. Why would we put a lamp under a bed? If we hide it, we're misusing it. And so remember, anytime we're trying to understand a truth, you hear me say this all the time. The scripture is always its own best commentary. And so we think to ourselves, Jesus said, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on the stand? And if you're thinking, it seems like he said that another time. Absolutely. Just like any good teacher would do, there are truths that on different occasions he said at different times he would repeat things. This one's in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' first public sermon If you remember, he goes through the eight Beatitudes, and then he says to the the crowd, he says, you're the salt of the earth. And then he used a second picture. He said, you are the light of the world. And if you're thinking, well, I thought Jesus was the light of the world. Absolutely. Absolutely, he's the light of the world. But when that light comes into you, The rules of the kingdom, the laws of the kingdom that Jesus was giving in the Sermon on the Mount, he says to us who are followers of Christ, you are the light of the world. If your lamp has been lit by the light of the world, why in the world would you hide it? If we hide it, we're misusing it. So that's why in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you are the light of the world. You don't... You don't take a lamp. He said, no one brings in a lamp and puts it under a bed. This is the Sermon on the Mount. No one brings in a lamp and puts it under a basket or under a bed. Instead, they put it in a stand so that it gives light to all that are in their house. Just so or in the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's the point of the parable of the sower. The parable of the lamp is simply reinforcing what he just said in the parable of the sower. If you're a sower, why would you keep the seed in the bag? 
It's not going to do any good there. If you're a lamp, why would you cover it? Why would you hide it? Why would you put it under a basket or under the bed? It's not meant to be hid. And so Jesus was saying these words, as you know, 20s, 30s, late 20s, early 30s A.D. Well, if you remember, the Jewish people were under Roman authority. The Romans were in charge, and over the next several years, the Roman world would continue to expand for a while, continue to grow and grow, and becoming such a vast civilization that in order for them to try to retain unity among all Roman citizens, they instituted emperor worship. And so that's why guys like Augustus Caesar, they were to bow down and literally that was to be their God. The Romans believed the Caesar, the emperor was God. And so Roman citizens, on certain occasions each year, they would stipulate certain days that every Roman citizen had to come and make a sacrifice to the emperor God in order to attest to the fact, really, it was not about religion. This was about political loyalty. In order to make sure that you were still loyal to the, to the crown. Did you know that from antiquity, they still have some of those certificates that you can actually see? And I want you to see the wording on one of those certificates. To those who have been put in charge of the sacrifices, from, in, you know, these tough names here, Inarius Achaeus from the village of Theoxenus, together with his children Aulus and Hera, who stay in the village of Theodelphia. We sacrifice regularly to the gods, and now in your presence, as the regulations demand, we have sacrificed and poured our libation and have tasted the offerings, and we ask you to give us this required certificate. May you fare well. And then at the bottom, there would be an attestation. We, Serenus and Hermas, have witnessed you sacrificing. A Roman citizen had to have that certificate in order to sell and trade. As a matter of fact, it could mean death if you did not. Now, please hear this. There were Christians who were Roman citizens. A Christian could hide for the moment. They could walk up and they could stand in front of the person and hide for the moment that they're a Christian. They could sacrifice to the gods, receive a certificate, and then walk off and say, okay, got that done. I just, that, that way they don't know. And then now I can go back to being a Christian. But did you know that thousands of our brothers and sisters in Christ under Roman authority would refuse to hide the fact that they were a Christian and they would not sacrifice to the gods. They would not receive a certificate and many of them died because they would rather attest and witness to the fact Jesus Christ is Lord and not Caesar. That's what Hebrews means by we're not worthy of these who have sacrificed their blood. But friends, oftentimes in our classrooms, we think, well, if I can just hide for a little bit, if no one will know, 
in our workplace, as, as long as no one knows I'm a Christian, you're sitting around the conference table, you have to go on a social gathering on the outing with your business associates, as long as no one knows that I'm a Christian, I'll just hide it for a while. And then when I get back to church on Sunday, I'll sing out loud because I want everyone to know I'm a Christian, but other times I have to hide it. If the lamp has been lit by the light of the world, don't hide it. Now, friends, there, were a, there was a time when it was to be concealed. You have your Bibles open there. Look at Mark chapter 1, same, same gospel. Look at Mark 1, verse 25. Jesus is casting out a demon. Look at the end of 24. The demon is saying, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent. Look at verse 34, same chapter. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And you're saying, well, that pertains to demons. Look at verse 44. Jesus has just healed a leper of leprosy. Look at verse 44. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing of what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Friends, there was a time when it was to be concealed. It was to be hidden. There were times when Jesus would say, don't say anything. Why in the world was Jesus having to tell a person, don't say anything? It's because it was natural. It was everything they could. They wanted to tell people, Jesus healed me. And Jesus was having to say to them, don't say anything. But friends, the days of it being hidden are long gone. Jesus is coming back soon. This is the time. It's no longer to be hidden. But Jesus is saying to us, why would you put a lamp under a basket? Go tell. Thank you, David. And Jesus says to us, go tell. It's still a little bit soft. Man, we've got to tell. Why would we keep this hidden? If you were covered with leprosy and all of a sudden you're white as snow, it would be everything you could not to go tell someone. I was covered. My heart was covered with leprosy. I was impure. I was untouchable. And Jesus has cleansed me. My sin was as scarlet, and now I'm as white as snow. I've got to tell someone that. Don't hide it. It's not meant to be hidden. But instead, it's meant to be made known. And so 11 days from now, today's the 20th, 11 days from now, it's going to be October 31st. And across the nation, many will participate in Halloween activities. Where do we get the word Halloween? It comes from Hallow Evening or Hallow Eve. And you say, okay, Hallow, like our Father which art in heaven, Hallow? Yeah. Yeah, because Hallow Eve came before All Hallows Day or All Saints Day. And All Saints Day was started around 800 A.D. by the Pope in order for Catholics to uh, pay respects or to pray to all the saints who had died. So it was called All Saints Day. That's November 31st or November 1st. October 31st is Halloween, 
But did you also know that it's Protestant Reformation Day? Because it was on October 31st that Martin Luther posted the 95 Theses on the door of of the church at Wittenberg. That's October 31st. Why October 31st? I mean, now that is recognized worldwide. What Martin Luther did, posting 95, is, is viewed as the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. It was going against the Catholic Church especially in their practice of selling indulgences. And indulgence meaning if you pay a little bit of money, then you can go out and sin and everything will be forgiven. And Martin Luther in reading Romans says that's absolutely wrong. Our condemnation is because of our sin and the only justification is through faith in Jesus Christ. You don't pay for it. Jesus paid for it. And so he posts on the door. Why October 31st? Because the very next day was All Saints Day. And did you know that the church at Wittenberg is to this day known as All Saints Church? It was actually founded on All Saints Day. And on November the 1st, All Saints Day, Martin Luther knew that the absolute biggest crowd that that church is going to have all year long is going to be on November the 1st. And so on October 31st, he posted. It was the most public notice board in all of the town. The church is still to this day attached to a university. That was going to be the most public place for him to put it. Martin Luther could have written it in his study, stuck it in a desk drawer, and I know this, I know the truth, I know what the scripture is teaching, but I'm not going to tell anyone. But praise the Lord, he had the truth and he made it known. It's not meant to be hidden. It's made to be known. If we hide it, we misuse it. All right, well, there's only one more truth in this parable. So here's, here comes the second truth. Go back to Mark 4 with me. Mark 4, start reading in verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Friends, that's so hard for us to hear because we think in terms of, of like food or money. And so we're hearing Jesus say, well, yeah, to the one who has money, more will be given. And to the one who doesn't have money, what he does have will be taken away. And we say, well, wow, that, that doesn't sound right. Okay, folks, This is meant to reinforce the parable of the sower. Jesus says to the one who has, in other words, when the seed falls to the one who hears it and receives it and accepts it, more will be coming. If you pursue that truth, if you listen to that truth, if you accept that truth by faith, more truth will be given to you. You'll understand more and more things as the Spirit is at work in you. But to the one who the seed comes and they reject it. Well, the parable of the sower teaches even the seed that is there will be taken away. 
to the one who just, you know what, I'm not interested. I don't like it. It's for someone else. Then the parable teaches, yeah, then Satan takes away the seed. To the one who does not follow through with their commitment. Friend, listen, again this morning, I plead with you. If you have trusted Christ as Savior, but you've never taken the first step of obedience, please, please, I'm pleading with you, follow through with that. There's a reason why we call it the first step of obedience. And and here's what Satan's going to try to to lure you away with. Oh, but listen, everyone will know that you got saved years ago, and and it's going to be. And and so really, it would be confusing to folks if you followed the Lord with baptism. And you don't want to be confusing to people. Friends, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, baptism is a picture not only of what you believe. What Leona did up here this morning was show everyone a picture of what she believes, that Jesus lived by her standing there in the baptistry. She is a picture. Jesus Christ lives in me. He is alive right now because he lives in me. And then she showed us a picture that she believed that he died for her. She was placed under the water. That's a picture that she believes Jesus was buried. And then, whoo, when we bring her up out of the water, she's showing everyone a picture. I believe Jesus raised from the dead. And she's also showing a picture of what happened inside of her. The old Leona is standing there, but I've, placed my faith in Jesus Christ. I have died to my old self. I've been buried with Christ in baptism, and now I'm raised. I'm walking in a new life. I am a new creation. Friends, if you have placed your faith in Christ, follow him in baptism. Follow him in baptism. Because this second truth is, if you hide it, you will lose it. You remember, that's what the parable was teaching. If, the, if you hear the word, but you reject it, don't follow through. If the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches grow up around you and choke out the word, then even what you had is going to be taken away. But if you hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, more, more will be added. To the glory of God. And so, I I want us to grab two more things and then we're done. So, we finished with the two truths. Listen to them again. If you hide it, you misuse it. If you hide it, you will lose it. Right? So, listen to the very first part of the parable of the lamp again. Is a lamp brought in? Is a lamp brought in. Again, those lamps in our house, never once has a lamp moved locations on its own. We've never walked in and found, you know what, those lamps have all switched places with each other. But instead, they stay where we've put them. Okay, Jesus said, is a lamp brought in Jesus has put you in a certain place. 
He has put you in a certain workplace. He's put you in a certain school. He's put you in a certain classroom. And I mean even down to exactly which hour you take that class. He has put you in a certain neighborhood. And and I mean, who lives on either side of you? That is for a reason. It's for a purpose. Is a lamp brought in? God has placed you in a certain spot not to hide the light, but instead to make the light known. And then finally, that second truth I wanted you to hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. The message is a translation of scripture. And in the message, the way Eugene Peterson translated that, pay attention to what you hear. He wrote, are you listening? Really listening. That's how he translated it. Are you listening? Really listening. Many of you remember back in August and September, there were some Sundays that I were gone in those two months. And over that two-month period, I was on either 25 flights or 27 flights. My wife remembers 27. She may be right. I was on a lot of flights over a two-month period. Just everything kind of concentrated on those two months. So I'm sitting in the exit row on one of those flights. And before we take off, I always take my phone and I text my wife, hey, I'm boarded, we're getting ready to take off. Remember, I'm heading here. I tell her where I'm heading. And I also tried to grab the family text thread so that my sons, daughter-in-laws, they also know, hey, I'm on a plane and I always say, I love you. I just want that known. You never know, right? Okay, so I'm sitting in the exit row. I'm texting out to the family. And I hear a voice say, sir, are you listening to me? And I look up and it's the flight attendant. And it's that feeling back in school, you know, where, oh, you're in trouble. And I said, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. And she said, in the event of an emergency, are you willing and able to help? Yes, ma'am. Okay, if you look this up, did you know that? And I, I'm going to read to you the exact wording that they put on the website. Uh, it says, it says, the responsibility as a passenger seated in the exit row cannot be understated. I was sitting there because it's more leg room. Really, it's more comfortable to sit on the exit row. That's why I was sitting there. The responsibility as a passenger seated in the exit row cannot be understated. Countless incidents show just how important it is that passengers are able to operate the emergency exits. Did you know that there are six conditions that flight attendants have to look at the people sitting there? Six conditions that have to be met for that person to stay in the exit row. Number one, dexterity. They have to be able to use their arms, both arms, both hands, and both legs. They have to be able to use both. They have to be 15 years old or older. They have to be able to understand and speak English. 
They have to be able to see and hear. Five, they have to be able to make sure that there is no condition such as the person has to travel with an oxygen tank. If you, if that, you can't sit in there because there, you cannot have any condition or even a small child that your first responsibility be, would be to something else before you could take care of the emergency exit. Five, well, there's one more. The sixth condition is you have to be able to orally communicate with other passengers the instructions given. Now, folks, please hear that. You're responsible for people exiting to safety, and you have to be able and willing to orally communicate those instructions to the other passengers. The flight attendant is to instruct the people sitting in the exit row, then they instruct the others. And the, the website says that responsibility cannot be understated. Folks, we're sitting on the exit row. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are sitting in the exit row. And we are responsible as sowers of the seed to effectively and willingly communicate these instructions to those who don't know how to exit safely. And friends, we're not just talking about someday that we're dealing with their eternal destiny. If that's not big enough, we're talking about their everyday life right now. We sung earlier, no guilt in life, no fear of death. Do you know how a person will not have fear of death is if they have no guilt in life. If I know that my sins have been forgiven by the one who died for me. And I have got to willingly and effectively communicate that to other people. It can't be understated. If we hide it, we misuse it. If we hide it, we lose it. This morning, there are believers in here and saying, well, okay, the church is going through this deal where pray for someone and witness someone. And I'll give them two or three more weeks and then we'll be away with that and I won't feel convicted about it anymore. Friends, listen, this is not an emphasis of our church. This is the calling of Christ on our lives. This is not gonna go away. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, would you commit to praying for one person and sharing the gospel with them? If you're a sower, sow the seed. If your lamp has been lit by the light of the world, don't hide it. Make it known. Our Heavenly Father, may your will be done in every heart. Lord, may lives turn to you. I pray for someone to be saved today, Lord. That someone would come and say, my heart is dark and I need the light of Jesus Christ in me. I need to be forgiven of all my sins. 
Lord, I pray that someone would come to you. Lord, I pray that your will would be done in every heart. I pray for lives to be recommitted to you. Lord, add to us and call out from us as you see fit. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we stand up, here's part of the invitation this morning. And I mean this with all my heart. If what the Lord is leading you to do right now as a part of this invitation is to walk out door 11 or door 1 and go get a ping pong ball and write the initial of someone on it and drop it in the bowl, that's your response to the invitation. Don't wait. Friends, whenever we say, well, I know this is what I need to do, but I'll take care of that next Sunday. I'll be here next Sunday. Don't. That's what Satan wants you to do. Let's follow our commitment. Let's commit ourselves to the Lord's work. Let's stand together as the Holy Spirit leads in this time of invitation. As He leads, you come here, you go out there. However He leads, 